Hi, and welcome to the Fem Factor podcast. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Laura and Dr. Nicole. This is a place for women just like you desiring to learn, be inspired, and find community. We'll be discussing everything from health, longevity, and aging, to mindset, high performance, and cycle syncing, to intuition and healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All from a lens that is based both upon the latest health research and feminine energetics. Blending equal parts scientific evidence and inner wisdom, we invite you to elevate your biology, empower your intuition, and embody your magic. Welcome back to the Femme Factor podcast. Laura and I are so excited to have our next guest on. Her name is Rachel Brooke, and Rachel and I met, wow, in the depths of 2020. Like we were in a group program together about um, learning about online sales and marketing and branding. And we just kind of had this instant bond and connection. And I thought, for sure, Rachel needs to be one of our guests on this podcast because she is one of the best examples of coming from one really incredible path and deciding to take another one. And um, I just hope she is open to sharing her story with us because it is one that is just truly amazing. So welcome, Rachel. Mm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where you've come from, what maybe you've overcome, how our listeners can really learn from your experience um, in life and, and where you're at right now? Hmm. Well, when you refer back to us meeting each other and knowing each other, there was a moment where I was like, I can't even remember how we first met three years ago feels like a lifetime ago. And we all know what, no matter who you are, what you were experiencing in the depths of the intensity that was 2020, for those of us that quickly pivoted in that time, it was scary and it was really uncertain. And I'm just so grateful that we asked for support and asked for community in that time. And then here I am three years later, uh, not going for community and support all the time. And it's not because I think I have my shit together. It's just, that's not in front of me all the time. So even just this brief introduction is making me be like, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. Who, who's my next, you know, mentor, what level of support am I craving next? Cause in the last three years, and then I'll share how I started um, in the last three years, you know, getting my master's in intuition medicine, leaving a full-time job at Soul Cycle and Barry's Bootcamp, big fitness brands, and building my own thing has felt like a true lifetime. But in the moment that it was happening, it just felt like one scary moment after another scary moment. And I didn't know when it was going to end. I didn't know what it was going to look like on the other side. And so I'm really excited to share that in the past three years, my entire life, my cells have transformed the way I look at the world has transformed and um, just share with others that that transformation is absolutely possible for them. I, uh, to, to actually answer your question, I 
right before like what March, 2020 hit, I was working full time for these big fitness brands in the Bay area, teaching fitness six days a week, three times a day, like doing it full out. And I, I couldn't take it anymore, but I had no idea what to do. And maybe a month before March of 2020, I was in my therapist's office and I was like, I'm quitting everything. And she was like, you need to take your fitness business or your fitnessness um, and do it online. I don't know what that looks like for you, but like that, I'm just like, she was getting this like hit that that was right. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm just going to quit and I'm just going to move home and live in my dad's basement. Like I was so convinced that that was going to be what I did. And then what, four weeks later, the world shut down. I was like, yes, I have two weeks off. Thank God. And two weeks <laughs> into, into that, uh, all my clients were like, we need, we need you. And I figured how to teach my class on zoom. And two weeks after that, I was making, you know, two months of income and in two classes, which was very much, you know, what was going on at that time. But without really knowing what was next for me, I would just kind of take the income from those classes and I put it to a different piece of equipment. I put it towards hiring my first marketing coach. I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I'd worked for other people my whole life. Meanwhile, I was a talent. I was the, the money maker for them. Um, I really wanted to put on new hats and learn how to be that for myself and and then a whole lot of things happen in between, but it's so cool to be three years out of that. I teach maybe three days a week now at most. I figured out how to make a lot of the work that I do more passive so that I can enjoy life. I figured out ways to take my talent and my ability to you know, be the money maker or be that exchange for people. They'll pay and then I give them something and have that be coming from a really authentic aligned place that it all then comes back to me and then I'm able to give more to other people and it's so cool and now that we get to be here I'm like I actually am really looking forward to talking about what whatever those steps were that at the time I had no idea what they were going to be oh my gosh thank you for sharing that I all I could think when I was listening to your story is we love hearing founders and entrepreneurial women stories like yourself. And I, I find sometimes it's like our personal development journey is tracking directly with our, our business development, right? Like they're so closely tied together. Um, and really it sounds like for you, like that was really the impetus for all of this is how can I change the quality of life? Like I'm, yes, I have a very successful career. Like I'm crushing it in these fitness classes, but it sounds like it was just draining everything you had to just show up and enjoy life. So, you know, like so many people, it, it, the timing was, was just perfect for you to figure out how to translate that to the online space. And it certainly sounds like you're thriving now in that. I know I see your content on social media and I, I love it. I have one other question quickly before we jump into more about that was something caught my ear. You said you got a master's degree in, um, was it intuition medicine, intuitive mm -hmm. medicine? And I, mm -hmm. I got to know what that is. That sounds like, ooh, 
I, I, can I go to school? Like, I want to know what that is. So <laughs> you absolutely can go to school for it. I didn't realize I was going to school for it when I started it. I thought it was like a program to learn how to, you know, to, to have it kind of happen to myself. Um, I had been kind of told to go. It's at the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sausalito, California. It has been, I was class 30 something, I mean, I think I, yeah, it was class 30, 31. I can't believe I can't remember um, off the top of my head. It was like, we were so proud of it. Um, and I had had somebody just kind of casually mention it's something that I should do. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go to orientation. And I'm saying it kind of mysteriously to you even now, because it was so mysterious to me and ultimately mysterious, like everyone else that was there. And like day one, we were kind of jokingly being like, oh, what do you do in the muggle world? And I was like, what is going on? Like, what did I just, what did I just sign up for? And um, intuition medicine ultimately, and it actually kind of goes into what I was going to say before you asked that question, which was, as you just kind of mirrored to me what I said, I'm reminded of this concept that I've really grown familiar with, which is that we don't need a map, but we need a compass. And sometimes our compass is so off and my compass was so off and I thought I needed a map. So I was just trusting this roadmap of life and not actually listening to my own inner guidance and my own inner compass. And if I was, am I like my North star, like magnet was attached to a magnet going like West. Like I, it was just all off in so many ways. And that then ties into in, intuition intuition is ultimately your inner guidance, your inner wisdom, be it your karma, be it your cellular blueprint that you are brought into this earth with in this lifetime knowing. Um, I then got to ultimately get my master's in what is known as intuition medicine, which is using uh, energy, um, intuition, for kind of healing your own systems, different different systems. It can be anything from your astral body to your chakra systems to um, so so many other things. I won't I won't. I know I'm not boring you. I, I know it sounds exciting, but this could go off on its own tangent. I was um, like, uh, we need a fem factor field trip to go do this immediately. Yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. So, so what started out as kind of like doing it for yourself in this program, it literally their first program, it's a six week course and it was just called healing one. And it was quite literally learning energetic boundaries for yourself, learning how to read your own systems and kind of like what, you know, each part of your body might need energetically, and then learning what your life force energy is. And my mentor, um, Francesca would always say, if you're not full of yourself, what or who are you full of? And I heard that week one and I was like, I, and I, I felt it. I was like looking at my energy system. I was like, I'm not, I don't even know what I look like energetically. So of course I'm not full of myself. And those six weeks went by, I, you know, was able to learn how to fill myself up with myself. Right. And that goes into, you know, our society telling us, you know, don't be full of yourself. Like we hear that from such a young age. So think of how that, you know, contributes energetically. Anyways, couple weeks into that program, um, you do like healing two, healing three, meditation, all, all these different programs. And then ultimately you can join the master's program, which is about a 15 month uh, program where you're now learning how to do that for other people. You're now learning how to support other people and everything from looking at, you know, their past lives to um, 
their their own energy bodies helping healing them through what's going on anatomically or energetically or through a different timeline or a cord or a boundary and now I am really throwing words out but in in those 15-ish months um I the whole time still was like nah okay I'll kind I'll learn maybe I'll bring this into my fitness classes one day and I did I think it really was changing me um on many many levels but then I had a cat and she got really sick and she passed away and then I had a second cat who then like weeks later got really sick and passed away and the whole time I was in this program and um using all those tools on me and on them as I was going through it and came out of, you know, the months of the grief after and my life changing. And I had mentorship and support. I had my classmates and I had these tools for myself that all of a sudden my graduation project was called Nine-ish Lives. And it was all about helping other people use spirituality and use energy systems to help themselves and animals as these transitions happen. And I just like ended that program and was like, what just happened? And of course it happened like that, but, you know, we started this conversation being like, I was this fitness instructor and, um, all of a sudden barely answering your question about what is intuition medicine. All I can really say is I came out of it being a pet loss specialist and working with spirituality in that sense for people. I love, oh, that's such a great story. And I love what you just said about we don't need a nap. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't need a nap. Sorry. We don't need a nap. We all need naps. We all need naps. Let's just, let's just get this straight, Nicole. <laughs> we, we don't need a map. We need our compass. And that just gave me chills. Um, I think so many of us are just like taking the maps and turning them around and folding them up. And where am I? And well, you As, know, asking well, other people for the map, like exactly. give, me, give, give me the directions and give I me think, the destination. Exactly. And I feel like I have a fucking Atlas. Like I don't just have one map. Like I have a book that I'm swimming through. So that was huge. Thank you. And I would love to hear more. And of course, like, please talk about whatever you want, but I would love to hear more about how you really tuned into your inner compass. And maybe even is there, are there any tools where you can kind of say, wait, am I looking at the map or am I using, looking at my compass? Um, because sometimes I feel like those could get blurry. Yeah. And right as you say that, I think of to this day, sometimes with myself, with what I hear from peers and friends, it can be really confusing to differentiate between intuition and fear and anxiety. It just, it, they can look so, so, so similar. And I have somewhere in all my papers, you know, like side-by-side lists, lists of what like symptoms are, you know, according to like the science of like true intuition and true anxiety and fear. And sometimes even for me, it still gets mixed up and chaotic. And when I'm out of alignment, it's fear that shows up and I'll think that it's intuition. And because of the tools that I'll share quickly, I'm able to kind of get back and recalibrate uh, into what what is really going on for me and my spirit and my soul. And one of my favorites is always asking myself, is this in present time? And what I mean by that is asking 
my physical body and my spirit body because science and spirit has to merge. Biology has to merge with the spirit that's dropped in. Really asking both parties, is this present? Because we know, you know, the body can keep the score. The body, you know, can have cellular trauma from generations ago or from, you know, one instance when you were five years old or last month as well. And, um, I can have that and the spirit can also have from, you know, three lifetimes ago happening and those different kind of triggers can cause different fear responses in this very human form we're in. So I always ask myself, is this in present time? And I think everybody can ask themselves that when fears or anxieties are coming up and checking in and asking, you know, is this five-year-old me? Is this, you know, last week me or, or is this true right now? And I'm actually like afraid and scared and anxious um and then if it's that like it's really that um and then intuition um I really see it as more of a uh exciting thing than like the fear and the anxiety um usually when something's scary brings up what we might label as, oh, I'm being intuitive about this now, um, is usually more like fear or conditioning or a not present time thing. Things that feel intuitive are going to feel so juicy and so like, like you remembered. I think we sometimes think that intuition is just like that feeling in the pit of your stomach. And, and it is right. We don't just have, you know, the five senses, we have all these other senses happening. So intuition can be feeling with your hands to to, you know, thinking about somebody call, thinking about someone and then they're calling you. Um, all, they all have different names for different types of, sometimes people see the energy, you can see colors. Um, you can just like hear it in your mind. Um, but like when I then just like brass tacks break down intuition, it's always a thing that feels like my soul is remembering. And we all have that. We've all had those moments. And then kind of piling up those moments and just, every next step, letting your soul remember every next step, letting your soul remember. And that then turns into what you could look back at and say, oh, that's my map. But in the moment, it becomes your compass. And you will feel like things are off and like your compass is pointing a different direction when it is in fear responses. And unfortunately, that happened that happened to me because of my body. Um, it was really body based for me. It was fight or flight. It was fear. It was um abuse it was to myself and potentially from others um causing my body to really run the show for me and I got to kind of spend those two years in that program and then the last three years of my life let, checking in recognizing a lot of my actions were not coming from a need that was present time it's coming from a need that was in the past and allowing every next step to really be an exciting and energetic next step, a faith-driven next step, um, a next step that ultimately, you know, I didn't know where it was going, but I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that was going somewhere. So I think that hopefully to answer that, you know, having people check in on, you know, what's present time, what's not for them. Um, I also really think two other tools I like, um, and, and one's a little harder to do. You really have to like, whatever somebody's, you know, version of meditation is, or, you know, kind of sitting, getting quiet, um, really being with yourself is to check in on what, what, what your energy looks like. What is it? What's, 
color is it? What vibrancy is it? What sound does it make? What do you feel and sense that's like your energetic body? And when you're feeling intuitive or anxious, perhaps closing your eyes, checking in and seeing where your body's empty, um, seeing where you're not full of yourself. I love the example of this, of like the body doesn't like empty space, just like the mind doesn't like empty space. I think of like dating and if somebody didn't text me back, I'd be like, oh my God, I make up a whole story if like an hour goes by. Like my mind's like, no, no empty space. Um, the body does that as well. So when we get depleted and when we get exhausted um, or different things are happening in the physical body, we'll lose our sense of self. We'll lose being full of ourselves. If we're told don't be full of ourselves, we'll say, okay, we like push it out and then other people's energy comes in and it, it can be their ideas, their thoughts, their conditioning. And so doing that like quick scan every once in a while, especially in decision-making in like trying to compass orient and seeing really, am I full of myself or am I full of other people or other energies and kind of pushing that out and then filling that up immediately with yourself. I see that as a very powerful tool that I really believe everybody can do. Love your description of how to differentiate between some of that anxiety, fear, and that actual intuition, because you're right. I do think people confuse them sometimes and they, they can feel really different, but you have to be able to drop in and connect to your body to be able to feel that in the first place. And, you know, as we're talking about passing down energies and trauma and everything else, it just reminded me of some of the, you know, big principles and philosophies behind this podcast, which was blending the magic, the intuition, the energy with the science, with the biology. And like, for me, in my mind, what was happening as you were explaining that I'm like, yes, we pass that down. We also share our mitochondria. Like this stuff is in our cells from a biology and an energetic standpoint. And like just being able to understand that immediately takes out a lot of guesswork about is this real or is this not, is this made up or is this not? And, you know, everyone just says like, oh, intuition, it's that gut feeling. Well, sometimes, but your gut can also lie if your gut's all out of whack. Right. And sometimes that looks like anxiety that looks like these other emotions. So that feeling you described that when you get those intuitive nudges, like it's juicy, it's a good feeling. Like it might feel a little scary, but you know, it like it's an excited one. Right. And that, that is such a good feeling to have. And all I could think was the best way to teach ourselves how to pay attention to that again is to do what, what I think it was your instructor said, like we have to become full of ourselves, right? Like that was all I could think was what a beautiful full circle conversation, because the best way to tune into that is to become so full of myself that no one else's influence ideas or opinions can take away when I get those intuitive nudges. And that's just a really beautiful practice. I'll say for all of us to learn, because it is a practice. We do all have to practice it and we have to pay attention, but I think that's so valuable. Just knowing that I know so many women that I work with and who are probably listening to this podcast deal with anxiety and questioning what these emotions are. And that's such a beautiful way of helping them start to differentiate what those mean, right? Like what's the intuitive nudge and what's the little bit of the anxiety warning bell need to look somewhere else kind of feeling. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And I am definitely going to become more full of myself. Mm.
As you said all that and this the science meeting the spirit, I just want to share that the thing that taught me the most about merging these two worlds was losing my cats and the grief that I was physically experiencing. Meanwhile, like I said, I'm in this program. I have these mentors. I'm, you know, whatever level of spirituality one believes, I was not only believing, but the academy that I went to did a really beautiful job of you would do like practicums and labs and you would like have to, you would experience the thing as well and practice it and embody. It was so cool on, it, it was like a science class in many, many ways playing with energy. Um, so I'm in there, you know, learning about, you know, going up to a spirit court level and communicating with like my animals and getting messages and understanding, like my spirit was so understanding of what was going on. And so like, like I knew it was magical shit that was going down and I was like, so there for it. And, you know, it would bring tears to my eyes, but they weren't sad tears. They were like, like, this is life-changing stuff I'm experiencing. And then my human body was like, oh no, like I'm about to not touch this animal that like I love for 10 years. Like I felt it in my body. And then the almost year after my body had a lot of physical grief to process, um, meanwhile, like I said, you know, my spirit was like, oh, I, I, I feel connected to them. Like I, I, I'm not afraid or work, but then my body would be like, but I am like devastated and I couldn't fight those two. I had to really marry them. And I had to really learn the science of grief and the bio, what was happening in my body and the pores of my skin in, you know, in my gut, my microbiome, in my mental health and my brain and really understand and have loving compassion for what my spirit believed as well and let both exist at the same time. So it was just so cool. It, it kind of transformed how I thought about science and medicine and uh, so many different things. I was like, there, absolutely, there's a need for both and absolutely let's continue to find ways to let them both love each other and work with and for each other and res respect each other for lack of a better word. Um, so I, I love that. I'm all about that. Yeah. And that's really what, like what Laura said, we are all about here on this podcast is the blending, the alchemizing of that physical and spiritual of the intuitive and the flesh, like all of the things, because each one is saying something to us. And a lot of times it's in a different way, but it's the same thing. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we're open to one more than the other. And so the art is really how do we blend the two? Because then that's really where the magic happens. And um, I would love to ask you, you talked about processing grief and trauma through our bodies. I've been working a lot on that the past few years. And um, I know some of the tools I use, such as like shaking, screaming, um, these very animalistic primal things that have helped so much. And I'm wondering, is there anything that you just love to help really move these emotions and these feelings through not to push them away, right? Because there's definitely, we can push them down or we can just shove them away, but to like integrate, thank them and then release them because they're no longer needed is that's like where the healing comes from in my, in my opinion, anyway. Wow. Oh my gosh. I have a favorite tool that 
I want to share. Um, But first, I do just want to say that I see, and I think this is because I'm, I, it's because of what I was trained and like taught as like the right thing. And then what I saw a lot in my clients and friends, which is this idea of like, oh, I'll go, I'll go do an intense spin class and that'll help me process my, my pain. Um, and so I did that. I would like go running. I would go to spin. I, I was like, yeah, this is what's going to help me through, you know, and sure you cry on the bike in a breakup and it's powerful and you feel empowered and doing a push up, like, y- yes. And in the last three years, I really got to experience like wholeheartedly in my body, in my mind, there were so many moments in my grief where I was just like, I just need to actually do nothing. And in then doing those intense workouts, it caused more pain. It caused more suffering. And it, what I, what I, you know, you two are doctors, but from what I, what I understood was happening in my body was, you know, I, I was perpetuating like fight or flight versus a rest and digest system. And in rest and digest is where, you know, my grief could process, my healing could occur. And I could kind of come back to come back to myself versus pushing my body then pushing my nervous system into like too much and be it distractions or you know I'll sweat sweat it out and let this come out of me in this big movement um it was it was too much for me it was way too much for me so I got to spend the last two years now since my cats died doing so much less and ultimately what I discovered and what a lot of my work is now is less is more or there are times when less is more. And those are really important to listen to. And I think what a lot of people think goodness are now talking about in um, somatic movement and trauma release and grief work is less is more. And um, it is so scary to slow down and do little and to hear your voice vibrate as you let out a scream or to just shake and like that just be all you do or do a small somatic pose or small movements and have that be full body releases. It can be so intense. So I just want to say that for anybody that's out there you know that might still be and again I was fully in this until about two years ago thinking that you know clipping I love a bike there's a bike behind me as we're doing this right now um riding bikes that go nowhere in dark rooms totally changed my life and um there there have been proven to be more efficient tools that are supportive to our body and spirit than just working out intensely like that as we're processing things. Um, My favorite tool that quite literally is me doing not even the movement you just referenced, Nicole, but um, although those movements are incredible and beautiful tools, um, I do this visualization that I got from my teacher's assistant two years ago in my program. Um, And it's the um, French press idea. So I explained to you being uh, us being full of ourselves And um, sometimes there being, you know, different energies in the body that aren't ours or they're not useful. Um, So I like to imagine, and I, I do this with all my clients. I'll even do that at the end of a fitness class. I do French pressing and French pressing to me is literally pushing down from the crown of your head and kind of going through each area of your body energetically, pressing down, identifying, oh, like right here, you know, in like the field of like my eyes and my visual senses, you know, 
something's feeling icky or murky and kind of pressing it down, pressing it down through like the throat chakras and heart and just really, really, really almost like gathering all these things that aren't quite like meant to be in us, really pushing them down. For me, a lot of it in my grief journey was actually guilt. So I would do this like daily. I would press French press guilt um, because guilt in the body is just going to cause like disease and disease in me. So go through press. I would always kind of, you know, feel it like around my core, you know, and that clench in my stomach, imagining, visualizing it going, pushing, pushing, pushing. Then it gets down to my feet and letting it go into the earth, thinking about the idea that mother earth and earth energy is neutral. It's neutralizing. So I'm not like causing harm to her. I'm almost like giving her this thing and she's going to neutralize it immediately. Now I shared the filling yourself up with yourself. The body doesn't like empty space. So let's say, you know, I push out the guilt in my core. I need to immediately fill myself up with myself. I need to, okay, I got the guilt out of there. I need to rush through that like sparkly rainbow energy that makes me me and put it there. So I think that's a tool everybody could do. You know, once you kind of have this idea of my own personal energy uh, and guilt can be, you know, the first one to start with or yeah, let's say guilt for people and just kind of French pressing it down and out of you and filling those and those now empty places up with ourselves and trusting the earth to neutralize it. There have been times where I do that like 20 times a day or a memory <laughs> might come that like has emotions attached to it and I'll like feel it. So it's in my body now and I give myself a French press to let it leave it. I love that. Uh, Jessica, if you're out there, that was such a cool tool that she gifted me. As a as a coffee lover, the the visual part of that is like, oh my gosh, yes. I I've as someone who has struggled with visualization exercises in the past, I, I think sometimes you just have to find one that really resonates for you. So like that one for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such a great way for people to start doing that. And um Going back to what you were talking about before with, you know, yes, allowing ourselves to shake, to yell, to scream. It's like our, our body tries to do that when we're upset, right? Like our hands shake, our voice shakes, and we're, we try to like hold it in for some reason and like body intuitively knows like, no, just let me do this. Like you will feel so much better if we get this out. So I'm really glad that so many people like yourself are encouraging women and anyone really to like, no, do these practices. Like this is how we, we process and sit with these emotions. It's how we move them through the body. It's, it's much more dangerous to try and hold it all in there and, you know, wait for it to erupt like a volcano when it's usually at the least in the most inconvenient time ever, if we're, if we're being honest here. Right. So really, really powerful idea. The, the question that I have is like for the woman who is in it. So I'm thinking back to like a past version of myself a couple of years ago when I was going through like really traumatic divorce, like super stressful, totally stuck in that fight or flight mode. Like it was really difficult for me to even be present to try and do like a visualization exercise to even try and practice like regulating myself. Like I literally remember looking back and being like, what happened the last three months? Like just steering through on autopilot, like total self-preservation mode. So I'm wondering if you have any other tools that kind of help with that initial, like, yes, I know I need to do these things, but sometimes I can't even be present to get there. For me, that was what spurred 
um, a microdosing journey that really helped me kind of start changing some of my chemistry around being able to stop, be present, process what was going on and let me respond versus react in autopilot. So I'm wondering if you've ever seen that, like you have all these great tools, these great visualizations, but for the woman who is so deep in it, it's hard to even get present enough to do those. Um, I know you've shared a little bit about microdosing itself, but if there's anything else that women can use to kind of get them to that point when they are like in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, yes. And um, I keep like having ideas that I want to address <laughs> and and then answer your, <laughs> your question. Um, you probably talked about it. Maybe you've talked about it before. Um, but for someone out there who hasn't seen this, um, you can look up videos of, uh, I want to say it's like a bison, not a bison, bisons are huge. Some, some other, uh, animal, uh, getting chased and almost gazelle. the gazelle, right. Right. like that, like changed my life when I just like mm-hmm. saw that video on YouTube, like everything just clicked. And for people that have no idea what I'm talking about, it's a gazelle who's getting chased by like a leopard and almost gets killed by it, escapes it. I might be totally butchering it, but then shakes shakes it off and like you see this animal's body like trembling and releasing like what just happened which was terrifying and when we think about doing that for our own bodies that just that made so many things click for me because we we don't know the difference between um being chased by a leopard by a leopard and you know feedback (laughs) that's one for me, like feedback to me used to just like be this full, like I'm being chased by a bear and I'm not okay. Like that's how in fight or flight my body was. I want to interrupt you. So please keep your um, thoughts. Uh, a really good book, if anyone hasn't read it, is called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Sapolsky. Um, he's a Stanford Stanford. He's up at Stanford, a researcher, and it goes all into like the animal kingdom. And it's really, really great because that gazelle that just got chased and escaped with its life shakes and then goes back to eating or drinking out of the brook. Brook. Um, And so it's like, it doesn't hold on. This gazelle doesn't hold on to these and think every other around the corner could be a, you know, lion or leopard or whoever chasing it. And so, yeah, I I love that you brought that up. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, but please continue. Well, I want to read that book. So thank you. Um, And to answer that comment, question, idea, Laura, um, What comes to mind is not going cold turkey. I I think we see in the society that it's like, just, just do it. It's like change your life in one day, just like stop everything. And, and just, mm. um, which is actually, you know, you've referenced that I, I, I like to microdose psilocybin. I support people in their process and their education and their integration of microdosing. And, um, what I love about it is that you're, it's little, it's, you know, it's a little dose and you're in your life still, you're still having tough conversations with your, you know, soon to be ex partner you're still having to go to work and manage that and you have this little piece of medicine supporting you along the way 
everything is amazing about doing things in larger doses as well. When it comes to that type of work, I'm a big proponent of that. And it also requires you to kind of step away from your life for the ceremony, for that moment, for the weekend retreat, whatever it may be. And again, that can also be really supportive and life-changing, but something that I practice, something that I teach is that, like I mentioned, less being more at times. And uh, when we're in it and like, so in it, all we want and what we're taught, we could probably find. And I think people make so much, too much money off of convincing us that we can find it in a heartbeat. We can quickly, you know, find that solution immediately and all, everything will be taken away. That's challenging for us. Um, slow and steady. It takes time and the nervous system and the ego, all she wants to do is like, keep us safe and alive and well, and has a lot to learn also. So if we can be really um, supportive and compassionate to our ego and not try to just like find this quick, like ego death, I don't need it. I don't want to be run by it. And instead, similar to a lot of what I've said, work with it, love it, be compassionate towards it. When we're in those painful moments, those huge challenges where you hell yeah, we want a map. Of course we want somebody else's blueprint. We want that magic pill. We want to be out of it. When those aren't options for us, be it accessibility financially, or like just really not a reality, not trying to go in that like cold turkey, quit fix mindset and instead take things really slowly and generously teach our nervous systems that less is okay, that this is happening, that, um, you know, you, we talk about microdose and you can do those little bits so that your life starts to kind of weave together in a way that's really supportive for you. I think of, you know, exercise and fitness, the person that's been taught and conditioned, I need to work out six days a week to be healthy and have the body that I want to have. And that's probably not my own idea of what I want my body to look like. Um, that person, it can feel really, this was me, it can feel really unsafe to just stop doing that. You can look at somebody who's like, oh, you know, like, I don't really work out. I just like live a lifestyle. And you can be like, oh, I want that. I want to not feel this pressure I feel. And if you suddenly stop doing it, your body and your, your mind and your body are going to say, no, this is really unsafe for me. You're, you're, you're now going to lose validation. You're now going to lose the things that we've been conditioned to believe. And so, okay, what if I just remove one workout a week? And then what if the next week, next month, I remove two workouts a week? Like, what if I slowly kind of do that? I had to do this. I was on a benzo um, clonopin for 15 years of my life. And um, I had to taper off of it and have medical support. And it was the worst, like six months of my life. And uh, for anybody then who's listening, it was actually microdosing that like really saved me and supported me and kind of has helped my brain come back online in powerful ways. That's another conversation. But um, similar to that, if I had just like with totally gone off of that, first of all, it could be deadly. So don't. And um, I had to take it in little steps because my body would be like, this is literally unsafe for me. So I think it can apply to many moments in our lives. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, when you're really in it, I wish I had, you know, a beautiful, energetic intuition medicine answer for what one can do when in those moments. And my biggest answer is um, adding in every little step and just allowing, you know, day by day, one small thing, week by week, month by month, one small thing to change for you can be 
very beneficial and very supportive. And I think it's kind of a lie that these kind of things can happen quickly and overnight. I think that happens. And I think if we're lucky, it'll happen to every single one of us a few times in our lifetime, those epiphany moments, the, oh my gosh, like I need to book this flight and go to this experience or quit my job. Like you just have, yes, like we will all have those moments and they're intuitive moments. So they're ideas, they're things that will come into us and just beg to be birthed out of us. We can't like force it to happen, which sucks when we're in bad situations and painful moments that um, we just have to take it step by step and let less be more and not try to fight away and to do a million things in the society that says learn how to listen to a podcast while you're walking your dog and also like not just walking your dog but you're walking to the grocery store to then like no let's not do three things at once um let's do one thing and then let's remove that one thing and then now let's do nothing but we don't like emptiness so let's fill it with something that feels really supportive for us microdosing energy work sitting with yourself journaling shaking yeah those were i think that's like the perfect answer to that is Sometimes the lessons and the learning and the growth, it comes in the journey. And it it is our, of course, we want it to happen quickly. And we're also in a society that, you know, is always pushing quick fixes, but it it is a continual practice. I know that's been my experience. Like it's been like five years for me to be able to not be in that go, go, go all the time mode and a lot of ups and downs along the way, right? Like you, you need to figure out those little tools piece by piece, because it is for 99% of us, it is near impossible for us to completely change all of that overnight or with one thing. It takes so many different layers to unravel. So I think you couldn't have answered it better, uh, in terms of, you know, exactly what to do. There's never one tool for anyone because we're all we're all so different. Um, yeah. And my, my experience with microdosing was similar. It let me have that little bit of support as I did the scary things that felt uncomfortable, right? Like changing up my routines and rituals, letting myself sleep in more, like little things that before I would never have let myself do because it was, it was complacent. It was lazy. And that really, none of that was true. That was something that my brain made up to fill empty space. Right. So that was such a great uh, answer. And I think that's what a lot of people listening need to hear is that sometimes those things take time and it takes an ongoing commitment to yourself. It doesn't happen in a three month container or a, you know, 30 day program or anything like that. It's continuing to practice it and see those little things and be willing to just be curious about what works for you, right. To self-experiment. Yeah, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I feel like I feel like it's been a gentle landing. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but that's just like a feather kind of floating down and landing on the earth and being like, ah, yeah, we could do this. And it doesn't have to be so difficult. Um, so thank you, Rachel, for this beautiful, beautiful conversation. I, we would love for everyone listening to know how they can 
follow you, work with you, if you have any programs coming up or, or any, or retreats, or I don't know what's going on in your life in that way, but, um, yeah, if they want to join you in anything, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I, I will give you guys my email or my, uh, my website and on my website is I do a little bit of everything as you probably could get from this, which, you know, to Nicole, when we first met, I think I thought I had to, you know, filter down and choose that one thing. So if anybody's out there with a business idea or a dream of like quitting the thing you do, you can do it all and you should do it all. We're, we're meant to be multifaceted. And Laura said something a minute ago that made me think of like the idea that if we all ate the same food, food and worked out the exact same way, we'd all still look different. So we just have a million different things that I think we all should pursue. And I do that. And um, my website will have it all, but something I think pertaining to this conversation, one, um, I support people in microdosing. I just do that individually now, um, which is such an honor. So if anyone's interested in a one-on-one, -on -one, I do that. Two, if anybody or you know of anyone ever experiencing the transition of uh, loved animal leaving this earth. I love supporting people in that. And then uh, the third way is I have a fitness library now that's called when less is more. And it is a practice of it's about four weeks of, you know, doing a little bit of less movement, kind of that tapering off idea into just a library of workouts that are under 30 minutes and tend to be low impact or, you know, no equipment just to kind of allow and support people on their journey of, oh, I don't need to go take a 45 minute spin class and then go straight to like lifting weights or go on a run. Um, so I have that library as well that I'm really proud to offer. Mm, all sound so amazing. I'll make sure we link all of that in the show notes. And Rachel, the last question that we love to ask all of our guests on the Femme Factor podcast is, if you could give one piece of advice or encouragement to a younger version of you, whether it's little toddler Rachel, Rachel from just a couple years ago when you were starting out on this new career path, um, what would it be? What would you say to that version of you? Hmm. It would be something along the lines of you have everything that you need to know, you have everything that you ever will know, and just enjoy the process of remembering and awakening and adjusting as you meet new people, try new things and experience this amazing ride that it is to be human. So, so good. It was such a pleasure and an honor to have you on, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me, you too. This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It should not be considered medical advice and or treatment. Although we are both doctors, we are not medical doctors or your medical doctor. What has been discussed should not take the place of your personal medical professional's advice, treatment, diagnosis, or care. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please take the time to subscribe, share, rate, and review. And we'd love if you would follow us over on Instagram. Our handles are at dr.lauradecesaris and at Dr. Nicole Marcioni, or you can just click on the links in our show notes.